Hello everyone, I am Fola Shade Anosie and you are listening to another episode of the SNC podcast, a show helping people better understand the intriguing world of music, arts and entertainment through insightful conversations with African artists, creatives, lawyers, music and business executives. On this episode, we are talking about animation, African narratives, funding and tips for young people on the African continent looking to get into animation. My guest is Israel Obashola, who is popularly known as Israel the Creator. He's a self-taught animator and illustrator based in Lagos, Nigeria. Israel has been drawing traditionally since he was a child and eventually progressed to digital art in 2018. During the pandemic and subsequent global lockdown in 2020, he focused on animating and creating music visualizers. In 2021, he developed and created the first season of his animated series titled Orisha. Israel is committed to creating digital animated content on various topics and sharing them with a global audience. His skits on TikTok currently have 60.4 million views and 4 million likes, and he has almost 260,000 followers. Israel's goal is to help dispel negative stereotypes about the continent and introduce authentic African stories to an international audience. Before we get on to the interview, please, if you have a few minutes to spare, kindly rate the show on your favorite podcast platform. It makes a big difference in allowing the show to get discovered by more people. Thanks so much in advance. I would also love to hear your thoughts on what you enjoyed about this episode. You can tweet us at T-H-E-S-N-C podcast or find me on Instagram at Shade Nonconform. Welcome to the show, Israel. Thank you for having me. I'm smiling. I'm smiling so hard because we've had awesome conversations before coming on here. Yes. It has been such a great time getting to know you a little bit before, you know, we jumped on. Same here. So how are you doing? I'm doing good. How's your week been? Uh, it has been um, a bit busy, but uh, a little bit unproductive in my opinion. Why do you say unproductive? Uh, yeah, I had um, a couple of things I wanted to do this week, but uh, I think it's one of those weeks where, you know, the ideas don't just, they don't come flowing like they used to. So you just have to take a break, you know, see a movie, go out a little bit and then circle back when you can. So I'm looking, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I know I'll still come up with something. <laughs> yeah, I feel like being quote unquote unproductive is... Once in a while, lots of times it's actually good because that's where great ideas come from. So don't be too hard on yourself about that. Yeah, I think another thing I learned well with the unproductive week was that I needed a break and I took it. Yeah, I was happy about that. Have you been sleeping? Yes, I have. Like I brought it up this morning. I was like, yes, I've been sleeping really well for the past few days. So technically it was productive for me, like physically. <laughs> No, I know what you mean. I'm, I'm just happy to, have, to to get that sleep. I'm just very happy. <laughs> I'm happy for you too. Thank you very much. So an interesting fact about you is that you went to the University of Ilori and you studied economics. So is it because obviously that's not what you're doing professionally. No. So is it, is it a case of this is, I love economics or it was more of this is what my parents wanted me to study? Yeah. So I have no love for economics. Um, <laughs> economics was my dad's idea. So when I finished school, originally 
um, I got into Eloring, they offered me human kinetics, physical and health education and human kinetics, that's PHE. And I was even enjoying the course because it stressed me less. And um, I got to do my art and other things on the side pretty well. But they were not having it. <laughs> so they were like, no, you have to go for another course, economics and one thing, one thing. So I did jam again. I got into economics. I don't like maths. Economics is the last place somebody that doesn't like maths wants to be. Yeah. <laughs> so I went to economics. So I, I, there was no passion or love or anything like that for economics. It was just, um, it was just for the degree, Shay. And, uh, I was always doing my drawing, my singing, instrumental and everything on the side. It was always the plan. So I just had to wait to finish, you know, and hand that certificate in and then go about my, yeah, because after I handed it in, we had fights. They were like, okay, go and do I can no. Okay, go and do your no. <laughs> I was like, yeah, this was this as far as I go <laughs> with that. Yeah, I, you know, I always wonder for children who go to school and they study what their parents say they should study, do you when you're done and you graduate, do you feel like, okay, this has been a waste of my time? Or it's a case of mm, who knows, maybe it's gonna help me in the future. Yeah, so our parents have our best interest at heart that's one thing we all need to know if if things don't work out the the way we want to it's always nice to have that professional field to fall back on or to have to use to um you know push your dreams forward because i always say when you have a dream you do all the other work to you know to try and facilitate that dream so if you are an economist if you if you, if you study economics or if you study any other thing and you get a job doing it you can you can use it to raise capital for what you eventually want to do so it's not such a bad thing just don't let that dream go always have that dream in the background working on it as hard as you can and keep pushing that's really lovely insight so obviously you love comic books and cartoons can you talk about how your interest in animation and illustration how did that start okay so um i grew up watching cartoons and um the love just never went away. And then I had this um, this special place in my heart for anything superhero-related, comic books. And as a Nigerian child growing up, we didn't really have access to all these comic books and all these things. So you know you are interested when you start trying to find like weird ways to get these things. And uh, then I had friends that would just come to class to show off comic books you know they didn't really like it as such they just want to show off what their mom bought for them and i would just spend days looking at these things and and then i knew i didn't have a lot of time with what i saw so when i'm looking at the character or when i'm watching the cartoon i'm studying what it looks like how the hand moves so i watched i watched cartoons a little bit differently than other people did so i was studying the movements and the reason i did this was because I want to draw them once we are done. I want to make uh, paper figures for so that my brother and I could play with and things like that. And then from there, I decided to start writing my own stories. So I started writing my own stories, creating my own characters. Um, I would make my brother superheroes in my stories and things like that. Then I would draw stick figures as the comic books. And with each year, with each story, with each comic book, with each adaptation, it just got it kept getting better. Then animation seemed like something that wasn't really achievable for you know an African kid like myself. I always felt like the farthest we could go was drawing on 
paper and i remember at some point you know i had this friend that was also making comic books and we we're also talking about how do they get these colored printed things like how do they do it do they use like crayon or what how do they do you know we didn't have this insight so the curiosity we kept searching kept trying to get better and then in learning we realized that animation was something we could actually do we didn't need like a multi-million dollar gadgets and stuff like that and uh, as time went on we just kept owning our skills and kept getting better until animation was something that was very very achievable so what kind of cartoons were you watching when you were younger Mm. Okay, so I'll go with the different genres like um for the action comedy as like uh, something for more more for like kids. I had Pop of Girls, I loved Pop of Girls. I loved Kidness though, and I had this crazy love for um Pop of uh, Dexter's Lab. Then for, you know, action action adventure, I loved um, X-Men Evolution. I loved the Superman animated series. And then uh, there was Power Rangers. I loved all of those. Those are classic. Like, <laughs> you see me classic. smiling. <laughs> and then funny enough, there was my love for a certain genre of um, animation that I hid because of the stigma around it for men. But <laughs> stigma. I loved Barbie. There was this um, there was this Barbie series that was based on like fairies and all of that. And I really loved it. But you know, as guys, as guys. <laughs> See, you know, I feel like society, we just, we strangle people's love. If you let society kill you, what have I done? <laughs> See, when I love what you love. When the girls are talking about uh, Barbie in class and they are talking about, but the guys are insulting them. So I don't want to be on that side too. Don't insult me too. I'm like, Ugh. And, and then I'll now sneak behind and be like, let, let me have that DVD. <laughs> Let me have that collection. I just want to check something. Yeah, that's uh, well, that's that's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, and like you said, I read that you were drawing on paper initially, and then eventually, you know, I think maybe twenty nineteen or twenty eighteen, right? Yeah. You transitioned to digital, digital. art, right? Yeah. What was that process like for you? Uh, okay, so I um I was um I was pretty comfortable with you know drawing on paper i i felt like i was going to just be more of a um, storyteller than um you know putting it to visuals and then i traveled to Lauren when i was in service and then i met a i met a man he's not he's not a boy anymore <laughs> i met a man michael and i saw his art and it was just it was just inspiring and i was like okay how did you how how do you achieve this and then he told me his process um he recommended a couple of videos to watch and so when i went back to where i served edo states a small village of pillar when i went back there i i decided to start you know trying to yeah get to that level too so i started drawing i started getting more of them you know getting more into the details and focusing and paying attention to some certain things i didn't really think were important before and then after I was sure my skills were good enough to to sell, I um I started doing storyboards professionally for a couple of clients, and then I was showing it to my mom because these were the people that were telling me go and do I can go and do this, and I was telling them no, and then they had to see that oh if you are not going to do what we say, then what are we investing in here? So. I was telling them oh, I was doing these gigs and so on and so on and so forth. And then they said, okay. And then that, I think for the first time, they actually asked the right question. They were like, okay, what do you want to do? I was like, yes, finally. 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 As yes. a child, you're like, finally, thank yeah. God. 
And I said, I want to do animation, I want to do art, I want to do this. And then my mom ordered um, a tablet and a laptop straight from Amazon. I was like, oh, yeah. Shout out to your mom. See, <laughs> I, love, I love when parents just, you know, understand. Yeah, but go mom. on, please. And she got me, she's a nurse too, so she got me, she ordered Blu-ray glasses with it. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a real mom, yo. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, so that was when I now started doing digital art. So I, I, and another thing about me is I don't go on a break to like learn a craft or learn the period. I just, I learn it in front of you. Like and many people don't realize I'm learning it as I'm doing it. So I started my um, digital art process with a comic series that I created. I had a friend of mine create a website for me and I uh, was putting out episodes like every other week. And um, the title was Auto Crash. I plan to make an animated series of it because I think of all the stories I've told, that was one of the that was one of the funniest. Like everybody like really came to me with this thing is very funny. Like and what was it about Auto Crash? Yeah, Auto Crash was about um it was about the multiverse. That before the multiverse became really popular in this thing. Yeah, I did it back in twenty eighteen. And the idea was a person was abducted from his universe to come and protect another universe because only someone, <laughs> only his counterpart on that universe could use the weapon that was designed. So they had to go and get him to use it. And then everybody was like, okay, so there's an infinite number of universes. Why him? And my answer to that was, this guy was just so useless to his timeline that plucking him out made no significant difference at all whatsoever. So what made him useless in another timeline made him the most important person in another and that was basically the idea and i ended up breaking like the fourth wall like multiple times in the entire show and people just loved it and the thing is while i was making that series i was learning digital art i had not figured it out until i started making it so each episode was getting better and better and better and better and that was a beautiful process so that was how i transitioned from but yeah, that's true. Thank you for that story. So it's also crash. Is it still available? Because uh, I want to check it out. That's why. Yeah, I, the website is down okay, now. Okay. But I still, whenever people ask, I still, I still have it in my emails and stuff like that. So I just send them. What kind of animation do you do? Is it two D or three D? Yes, two D animation. So I just when um, after um, I owned my digital skills, like digital illustration and whatnot, I um. I decided, I remember in 2019, I still have the tweet, I screenshot it, I tweeted, I want to be an animator. And after I just made that decision, I decided, okay, let me start animating. And how I started animating was, I started telling people I was an animator. So that's how you do it, yeah, bro. So I was like, I'm an animator and I animate shit. So I was just animating anything I could find. And then a couple of people were like, music visualizers can you do this and can you do that and i did a couple of gigs and they were impressed with it and then when i found out okay people are ready to even buy this animation i'm doing i started my animated series i, w I was watching a youtube video and i saw someone say that they feel like um 3d is more technical while 2d is more time to and when, when i say 3d 3d animation yeah. is more technical and then 2d animation is more time consuming would you agree with that i i will totally agree but my uh, judgment is coming from a place where uh, i have friends that do 3d animation and um the same like visuals the same kind of um, this thing um effects it takes longer for me to achieve 
and they can do it in a shorter time but it's um it's technical like they they, they need money the skills are expensive the um, gadgets and everything are expensive and stuff like that but to this really really time consuming i know for a fact that the stampede scene in um, lion king took about two years to animate wow i did not yeah. know that so imagine for the entire movie and if you watch disney cartoons very well you find out that they repeat storyboards and i think most of the reason is because it saves them time it's, it's visually stunning to look at but it takes a lot of time when you say storyboards for someone who's listening and okay. doesn't know what that is can you explain what that is okay, so storyboards is kind of like a template to follow when you are animating so you could you could animate um, off the top of your head if you are that good um, I do that now like yeah with some certain things that I've animated before and then when you are like if you want if you need to animate a really um, complicated sequence and you do like a caricature style like just stick figure style of them carrying out that sequence then you upgrade to to fleshy versions of them carrying out that sequence then you upgrade to um, a colored version of them then from the colored version of them carrying out the sequence and then to the complete version so that um, stick figure version of them carrying out the sequence is kind of the storyboard and so once you need to carry out a sequence like that again you may not want to start over from the beginning so you go back to those same stick figures those same sequence because they're already there and you just change the characters you know if it was a guy before now you make it a girl and if you watch disney cartoons very well you will see a lot of repeated sequences like that. But because the backgrounds are different and the character is different, you won't be able to tell. But it's something they can get away with because it saves them a lot of time. Um, now, what software do you use? Because you said your mom got you like... A, yes. a, yeah, so talk about software that yeah, you use. I started with um, Photoshop. Then I animated on Krita. And then I'm now working on Procreate. I'm, I'm planning to move to Blender. But Procreate is just such a comfortable. <laughs> Everything you want is on Procreate, but you can't do um, you can't do industrial level, uh, industry standard animation on Procreate. So there are some cinematic effects and um, the cinematic um, visuals you want to achieve. You need Blender to do that. So I'm working on my Blender now, and uh, yeah. But for now, Procreate. I didn't know that you could actually use Photoshop for. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm clearly the past pass. <laughs> Photoshop is actually. Uh, Photoshop is great. That um, this thing, Auto Crash series I talked about, Photoshop, the whole thing. It was only the last episode. Uh, this the the yeah the second to the last episode that I did on Clip Studio, and uh, I didn't even finish it on the Clip Studio. But once you learn these tools, man, comes second nature. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you said you do 2D animation. Did you choose 2D because, like you said, 3D is more technical? Mm. Or you really wanted to choose 3D, but maybe you felt like you didn't have the time to do that? The way I see it, like, there's, um, it's a progression. It felt like you want to start, you started, um, you started with um, graphics illustration. 2D felt like the most reasonable next step. And then, I plan from there to go to 3D and then proper CG animation and so on and so forth. But, you know, uh, 2D is kind of my comfort, creative place. Yeah, so you're following the steps. Yeah. Yeah, the process. And if possible, I would just like to be behind the scenes when it comes to the 3D and all those, all of that, yeah. What, why do you want to be behind the scenes? Like Jim Carrey said in an interview, <laughs> yes. 
he said i've done enough i'm enough and you know there's a place where you get to that you realize that you are more productive when um when you are behind the scenes and uh, because when when i think when i'm thinking of ideas i kind of try and reduce my workload so there are a lot of things i want to achieve but i know that when i'm when i want to animate it i will stress myself and it will take too long and i mean oh you know so i i kind of don't i don't do exactly what i want to do but if i was behind the scenes i would just give you the idea this is what we want to achieve this is what we want to do and then you have your animators on ground to just <laughs> yeah you get more of what you want one of the reasons um orisha season 2 has not come out is because i don't want to animate the second season i want um i want professional animators and that's not to say i'm not a professional animator but i want people that i know would give me that cinematic effect that i'm looking for without me having to go and sit down and go through the process of this because another thing i learned i had a problem growing up and uh, in this um, creative space my my problem was um delegating like I always like to micromanage. I like to do everything myself. It was very difficult for me to say, okay, let this person do this. And then somebody someone explained to me that if you try to do everything yourself, you would release less than you should, you know, and the quality of the work would be less than you want it to be. This is not to take away from everybody that enjoyed Orisha, but watching it now, I feel like it could be a lot more. If I'd given it to like a different some of the animators in my in my in my circle that I knew would do like or oh, would do a better job because I know animators that are like 10 times better than I am yeah so I always feel like yeah one of the reasons that season 2 is not out yet is because I'm trying to see if I can you know talk to a couple of producers get a budget see if we can get animators that will bring all these things especially exactly what I have in my head bring it to life because if you watch the show you notice that the um backgrounds and everything it changes over time and that was because I finally found the courage to like bring to life what I wanted to in the beginning but I was too lazy to bring out and then when I found the courage later on I would now pull it off but if I had someone dedicated to that it would have been out from the very beginning okay <clears throat> excuse me as one of the fans of Orisha uh, I look forward to season 2 and I have already told you that I will audition for <laughs> voice over rose. So please consider his sister. Yes, um and let's speak about Orisha because like I told you before we came on I watch I binge watched it in like an hour. And I know that you say you look back on it now and you're like ah, I'm not really like liking certain things. But I tell you if I was a child growing up that would have been my joy to see that. So honest like the detail, you know, I I was so invested in the story. So talk to people about what Orisha is because we haven't even talked about you know we we talked about Orisha but we haven't really yeah. said what the story is about yeah. and what you're trying to achieve with it. Okay. So um first I'll let you know a couple of secrets. The first is it wasn't supposed to be an animated series. What was it supposed to be? It was if you notice the first clip was Cory falling to earth and landing on the bus. It was a joke. It was a joke on Twitter I made about what a day in Lagos feels like. That was the joke. This is what a day in Lagos feels like and then it landed on the bus and was like my back, my back. And then for some reason people were like part 2. <laughs> and I I was like what? <laughs> and they were like part 2. What's happening in part 2? And I've always wanted to do an animated series. So what better way to start it off than something people already asked for? Yeah. And then when they asked for a continuation, I decided, okay, so what story can I write based on what just happened? 
and then I started writing the Orisha series. Now, the second secret is when I was writing episode one, I didn't know what was going to happen in episode two. <laughs> I didn't have the full story until I got to like episode five. When I got to episode five, I had a full story. And I've been writing stories for a while, so I realized all you need is the beginning, the end, and um, creatively find a way to connect both points. And um, I, had, I had all my characters. I knew where I wanted them to be, the kind of growth I wanted them to have, and um, the experience you want them to have had to get that growth. And I've been a movie critic for a while. Like, uh, everybody's a personal movie critic. <laughs> so um, I just used that knowledge to try and figure out you know what works and what doesn't work and uh, so if you see any lapses or plot holes please forgive me (laughs) (laughs) yeah and orisha is about what now yeah so orisha is about the nigerian gods um yoruba mythology to be precise and um trying to modernize it trying to relate it with what's happening today and um seeing what it would be like if those characters like had real life interactions with human characters like if the gods were not as godly as we thought they were yeah so you find i created like and again i i have to say this in every interview and in every it's not historically accurate i i got some backlash when it was coming out and a couple of you know like worshippers ogumoji and were like you know this is not our culture and all that like it's just a story it's not historically accurate. I'm just trying to make the most of it. You know, get it out there. Maybe if people see these characters and go and look up the actual facts, they will see what the truth is about the mythology. So I kind of wrote it to lead this um these gods down the hero paths, villain paths, monster. I another I initially wanted to title it heroes and monsters. But I felt like Orisha was more traditional. And I felt like if it blew up, I would like the title to be very, very homely. Yeah, for the, for the title to be traced back to yeah Nigeria. So I didn't want a title that would be easily coveted by other um, traditions and other mythologies. You know, it's funny that you say that about the... About the um the guy dropping down because yeah. I think I had you're right I do I had seen that on Twitter somewhere but I love I think I'd seen that in his skit the guy dropping yeah. I seen that in his skit somewhere but the way you connected the story yeah. it was it was well done yeah. <laughs> it was really it was really it was really Thank well you, done man. so when you say that you when you write you yeah. don't know what's you didn't know what's gonna happen in part one part yeah. two or whatever is there so are you just writing as a fan of the story or how, how are you thinking through yes. that process? So I, I always tell people that you know, when, when I'm writing the story, when, um, when I don't necessarily know what's happening in the grand scale of things, I try to keep the, um, the, the story, the sequence that is going on, I try to keep it streamlined and create channels for it to expand. So when I was writing the um, Corey um, dropping, fighting the Egugu, and his dad expecting him back home and all of that. I was like, okay, let's just keep going. Then I didn't know Oya was the villain. Yeah. So I was just keeping it going. And the truth is when you are doing things like that, and when you keep it streamlined like that, the story kind of tells itself. So I was like, okay, Oya is, this is going, um, he has a wife. Shango has a wife. He has, um, sub loyal subjects and all of that. And, um, yeah, so when I introduced Oya, it just made sense. I was like, okay, this is the stepmom. 
I went, I, I did a little bit of background to find out some things and I was like, okay, this is, um, Corey, Shongo doesn't have a son named Cory. So this is obviously a, a stepmom. Cory has his own mother. We'll bring that in when we can. Yeah? yeah. And I felt like Oya was not the villain we needed her to be. Yeah. So she has to get there at some point. Like people think she's evil now. Wait till she loses her son. Yeah. So when I was writing the story, I just kept all those channels open and then I was going, I was going. And then you, you, you kind of figure out at some point that, oh, the evil you are creating is too much for the hero to bear. He needs help. And then you start to include all these other characters. And then you don't just throw in a character, you know, you have to give them a backstory and all of that. So at the very end of the episode, um, I don't know if it was episode one or two, I introduced Ireti watching the news when she saw yes yeah. yes so i was like okay yeah this guy is eventually going to need help it's nice to start building that from now and then there's something about heroes you know you are going to kill i like to put them in your face i like to make sure you love them like <laughs> see you know when they stabbed when cory was was oh my like oh my god oh. <laughs> But I like you actually I was yeah. that's that's why I said that, you know, the detail, like the emotion, yeah. it was so real. And interesting fun fact, like you shared before we came on that you voiced Corey. Yes, I just pretty yeah. <laughs> I was deeply oh no. This is, this is not the voice I used to voice Corey. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I voiced Corey. I voiced a couple of other characters on the show. And then I met the guy that voiced Shungo. I met him on Twitter. Yeah, I was like, man, I need somebody to voice Shungo. And everybody kept recommending one dude and i just dm the dude and i was like yo can you can we jump on a call and then immediately he said hello like, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's it that's it <laughs> that's cool and just kind of going on to your work watching a lot of the things that you have done you see that there's um elements of politics yeah. there's elements of everyday life yeah. there's elements of trends you're, yes. you're also keeping up with trends and there's, like you said there's elements of religion as well yeah. so for you is it important that in all that you do you have these different aspects or different elements in in what you create it's not a constraint yeah it's not a constraint it's just i don't force it there are a couple of things that people thought I did that was really insightful and I can promise you at the time I was doing it I had no idea how impactful it was going to be yeah some things I did by accident and uh, people like this this they related to this and I'm like yeah like I am nothing I try to go for is relatability so initially when I stopped the after the first season of Orisha I was not happy with the reception and the growth of um, the brand I was trying to build. So, and, and then I was retro animation. So I felt people couldn't connect with me because I felt like, I felt like a company, yeah. So I spoke to my, there's a guy that handles my social media and stuff. I, I, I told him we we're rebranding and I was going to just be me, personal page and everything. And I was like, okay, yeah, let's, let's see how that goes. And then I started doing relatable content. What it's like living in Lagos, what goes through your mind when you see a girl you like and stuff like that. And people started to connect. And from then, I felt like I had a responsibility 
to you know to share these experiences with people when i find when i remember something that is relatable i'm like okay let everybody know we are in this together you are not alone when there's a trend i found out that people were waiting for my adaptation of that trend what will it be like when israel jumps on this sound you go fear yeah what what's going to you know there and tiktok is a place where sounds go viral every year so people will just tag me and be like and this is how it really goes they go do your thing <laughs> i love it i love it i yeah. love it so when i get sounds like that i feel like i have a responsibility to people you know to show them okay this can be and if i see something i resonate with sometimes i could be scrolling on tiktok for hours and then i'll just see a sound and i'll just love the sound and when i find a sound i love with like ah my other sound is finished <laughs> In terms of algorithms, like you talked about, like what I want to know as a creator, because some things, like you said, are trendy. Yeah. You see that sometimes the algorithms promote certain things. Yeah. How do you go about balancing creating what you want to create yeah. with things that the algorithm is going to promote or with things that are popular and trendy? Yeah. So I'm working on like three different platforms. That's um, YouTube or four: YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter. For TikTok, you need those trending sounds for the algorithm to really favor your work. The thing is, I'll just advise don't force it. Whenever you know you find something to do with the sounds, it comes natural. You do it, you will enjoy it. But when you have other ideas, Instagram and Twitter are always a very nice place to push those out. So I realized um, earlier on that what TikTok likes, Twitter may not like. And a couple of creators try to jump from Twitter with their content, from Insta- TikTok with their content to Twitter, and it wasn't well received there. So I realized very early on that, oh, this different content works work differently on different platforms. So I know what I'll put on Twitter. I know there are some content I'll put on TikTok that won't be on Twitter. And people will ask, oh, why didn't you put it there? I know why I didn't post it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. And then there are some that you put on Instagram. There are some. So when you are creating your content, there'll be a couple of fails, a couple of successes that you used to really know, oh, this is how the algorithm works. And then at some point, you'll be able to predict what will work for you on Instagram, what will work for you on TikTok, and what, what, what may damage your, you know, your reputation on other platforms and so on and so forth. So pretty much you've just explained to us the importance of audience segmentation, yes. knowing the audience and what they like and how the algorithm on different platforms yeah. favors what I, I, see, I see i'm sorry I've, i see a lot of people try to try to use their fan base basically and i i figured out that if you want to if you want to be a content creator you have to be in the service business you have to be there for the consumers you can't be there for you you know people just i see a lot of people try to build the fan base so they can use them for endorsements publicity and stuff like that and People are smart. They they can tell. They know. If if I followed you for football content and then you start promoting a cream, <laughs> a face cream, <laughs> I'll leave you. <laughs> like for myself now, I created anima- I created relatable animations and um, people, the fan base that came, they came from that mindset, you know. And then one day I do, um, let's say, fine boy content, you know, and then they don't engage. And because you try to cheat them, yeah? Because they, they are smart. They know why they are here. So I see people trying to take from their followers and stuff like that. And it won't really work for you on TikTok. It may work for you on Instagram, but it won't really work for you on TikTok. So when you find out that, oh, this is a service business, this is something that you are just here to give, and whatever comes back, 
comes back and then you'll be able you you find that the growth will be just become very exponential like to be really really big and then you can now take that content so anything you want to do outside of what you originally promised them you have to find a way to make it true to what your roots like what you based your page on so if you want to if you want to um you know like push your beauty project your beauty uh, standards on people if you can find a way to make it still true to what you actually promised them fine if not don't try and cheat those people they are smart i think that's so important don't try to cheat them but again because creators evolve what interests you now may change two years from now but like you said it's about being able to integrate that into what the people are following you for right exactly exactly and you had talked about you know african narratives which is what you're trying to do with orisha and you know we see that a lot of not a lot of times we see that a lot of young africans are using social media to change the narrative and you see that now with even increased interest in african stories african stories seem to be the popping thing in the world right Another painful thing about African stories being, you know, the big interest in the world is I don't like the way I see the African stories in the hands of like um, foreign creators and all of that. That's why one of the things that made um, Orisha season two this thing take so long is I was trying to see if I could get Nigerian producers, you know, people in house. <laughs> ah, the struggle is real. Mm. So yeah, eventually you may have to sell out, but you still want to stay in charge so that um, the the content itself, the originality is not diluted. Because uh, unpopular opinion, you know, the Black Panther story was, um, the Black Panther adaptation was not as African as it could have been. Yeah, they tried and it was very, it was very interesting to work, but it could have been a lot more african you know we had uh we listened to the accents and stuff like that and but isn't that the whole not isn't that but there's this point that you make something quote-unquote too african mm. then you push people away and you because people can't really relate mm. to what is quote-unquote too african so sometimes you have to dilute you know the africanness but i feel like that's unfair for yeah, you because i feel like that's unfair because um, go ahead go ahead yeah so i feel like like you said if you make it too african i feel like what you have just done is you've pushed the right people away so make it as african as possible and attract the right people and another funny thing about those people you pushed away is that once they see how good it is and it becomes popular they'll find you they'll come back People like what's popular, <laughs> and African is African is just popular. I mean, people people um, ran away from Afrobeat for some time now. Yeah, people were not really collaborating with Nigerian artists and all of that. And then as it grew, it's it's so good that it will tell, it will it will speak for itself. And then you find you know Ed Sheeran is jumping on Afrobeat, everybody's jumping on Afrobeat, and it became like the it, it was one of the major reasons for um, Beyonce's album being as popular as it was because of the African culture in it and for some reason african culture just became popular and all those people we thought we pushed away where are they now <laughs> they are they're knocking on our doors yeah yeah and, and i think that it's also if you think about it i feel like that's not, well, why i said it's unfair is because when you have foreign 
you know content we don't say it's too uk yeah. we don't say it's too french we don't say it's too american it's you know like this the person says this is my culture take it as you may right. but we as africans are the ones people always tell us that you have to dilute your culture because it's too it's too much which is why i said it's it's crazy that you know yes bonaboy said something when they interviewed him and uh, you know called him out on being like uh, the first nigerian artist to he just stopped them in their tracks they're like why is it such a big deal when it's like the first nigerian artist to do so so and so like if it was um an american band that's selling out selling out in tokyo you won't say oh first african uh, first american band to and um trevor <laughs> said yeah it's because like the white culture and of which <laughs> there's no real white culture it's just like adaptations of many other things so it was like okay when a western um creative goes far it's like it's expected but when it's African, when it's an African content, it's like a big deal. And I feel like we are changing that now. Yeah, because now when an African content goes so far, nobody's surprised anymore. We're like, yeah, we've always been the king of these things for a while. You, you got on this board late. <laughs> we run this ish. Welcome to the, walk, welcome to the club. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as you just talked about African creators that are young being on social media, a lot of them are using it to earn a living because there are no jobs, literally. And yeah. people are trying to use the digital economy to find money wherever they can now we have a couple of countries that have responded to you know this growth in different ways countries like kenya nigeria i think you have um zambia tanzania mauritius they've either passed or you know implemented or introduced digital and social media taxes and one of the criticisms and the taxes are supposed to obviously be levied on local and international digital businesses now one of the criticisms is that a lot of times these taxes never not no these taxes actually negatively impact content creators startups as well as small businesses and these people are actually not even making a lot of money anyway so why are you even taxing them right and as a content creator and as a creative what do you say to this uh, to be honest, I've I've not really been familiar with the um, with the tax aspect of it all. Like um, I, I became a content creator last year <laughs> when yeah. my God, I was kind of like, I was kind of like pushed into the content creation space, and uh, I I think what I did was um, I got my first gig like as a full time um, content creator of a company. So yeah, that's where I leave all the tax. Uh, part of it at and then every other thing i every other thing i contract i kind of included like i give them my net fee like outside of taxes and everything so yeah do your tax thing and then pay me <laughs> this so take care of the calculation and just pay me what what my um, work is worth i think that's my way around that but, okay yeah yeah no because you know even just be- besides that as you continue to grow and you begin to make money and you know these taxes begin to impact you because a country like i think it was zambia yeah it was uganda zambia one of these yeah. countries that they taxed the content creators from if you wanted to go on on social media you had to pay an extra fee and wow. vat and all these different things yeah and so again the criticism was like these taxes that countries are passing it's great that you want to definitely get revenue yeah. but you have to structure the taxes and yeah. in a way that it doesn't negatively impact the people that yeah. are not even making any money here's the thing is another thing you know about people is once once we are trying to do something good and um out of maybe greed 
or for some reason you want to leverage on it to like take from the thing about we are creative we'll find ways around it and then they'll call us criminal <laughs> because they they didn't they didn't structure this um this platform that we are using yeah they didn't create it like when um nigeria banned twitter last year it, it was it was such a terrible thing to do to your to your people because many people were out of jobs many people yeah so i feel like they should really look inward and find out why they are doing these things to their economy because at a point in time content creators will be like the backbone of everything your country represents because nobody nobody will come to come to like uganda to see how uganda is mm, let me see no they will go to your content creators look at how your content creators are doing and find out more about your country so if you put them down I'm telling you, it tells it tells a very bad story about your country. I, I don't know. I don't know when we're going to ever learn that. To <laughs> not just elect leaders that have would I say common sense because I feel like that's always lacking. And again, I'm not saying that people should not be taxed, but you have to structure these taxes in such a way that it doesn't negatively impact Perhaps, people. Yeah. And the change that we're trying to see in the you know in on the continent, you know, it takes a longer time to be to be achieved. Yeah. Now, as we come to the end of the interview. One of the issues that we had talked about earlier was about funding. As someone who has all these big dreams, you know, you want to be a scriptwriter, you want to do comics, you want to do all these different things. How do you go about dealing with that? It's sad that people outside the country are more interested in funding your work than people inside the country. I, th- I think that fact is really, really sad. Um, like I said, I wanted Orisha to be, uh, I wanted the, like the entire board to be Nigerians and Yoruba people or, you know, people that can just bring more into this thing. But it's sad that they don't see the potential in something that is their own. And, um, it's, it's really heartbreaking to be honest. And then you have to seek funding from outside people and they will hear the story and then they will react the way you hoped your people would have <laughs> reacted and then i think that's sad so i think we should really look uh look at ourselves and find out why we are not ready to fund our own our own project and then um if you if you want to if you if you have a project and if you want to there are many funding platforms out there Again, not many of them are from inside this country, but there are many funding platforms out there that are ready to fund young creators and everything you do. I met um, I met a guy on the, he does a webcast and thing, something like a podcast, yeah. And uh, it was the one that hooked me up with some people that are ready to really listen to you and voice. So, if you have a project, if you have a story or something, make something of it. Make something of yourself and pitch yourself to them somebody you turn a couple of heads you know to your point about africans not investing in ourselves do you think it, i keep on asking this question you think it's a demonic problem <laughs> you think i keep you know i am serious what is going on with I us like, i feel like um it's like like uh, is it is it stockholm syndrome I'll, I'll call it now yeah i feel like they put us down to the point where we just believed it wasn't as good and we believed it's not popular enough to get us, you know, our money and everything that we need. And they just don't know that what separates our stuff from the stuff they do that seems popular is the amount of dedication and um, professionalism and um, work ethic and money that goes into it. If you apply that same formula here, it will do just as well. It will do 
just as well. I keep saying, you know, like not to go biblical or anything. Like there are some principles in the Bible that, like, there's a passage that says, um, if you work diligently, you sit before kings and no men. You don't have to be a Christian for that principle to work for you. If you are, if you are a pagan, if you are the worst person on earth, if you apply that principle to what you do, just be diligent at what you do. You start sit before kings and not before men. So it's not about the content. It's about the ethic, the funding, the amount of dedication that goes into it. A lot of time I sit down and I watch, like, I, I just um, browse out um, behind the scenes facts and trainings or things that they went through to put out some of these great movies that are out there today. And I'm like, these guys did so much, you know, to bring this out. If we do that, we will get something just as good. There's a movie coming out now, Brotherhood by uh, Jade. Jade Yashibaru. I saw the trailer and I was, I, I, I you know, I, I, I'm not, we don't communicate all the time, but every now and then I let her know that you are saving us. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw the, I had a friend that was actually in the movie and he told me about the training they went through. They brought in people to train them and to do all these things. I was like, yeah, she's applying that dedication we talked about and this movie is going to be awesome. Yeah, and everybody, I'm sure everybody that didn't put their money, I'm sure they will regret it at the end of the day. Yeah, so I feel like let's not think it's the content that is not as good. It's the dedication and the work ethic and that money, invest in it, and it will be just as good as what you are seeing out there that you think is so much better. Yeah, that's well said, well said. And what about for African governments who don't see the value, or not even opportunities, who don't see the value in the animation industry if you could speak to some of them what would yeah, you tell like, them i would tell them to grow up that's literally it yeah like they should just grow up because we have this mentality um in our country that you know cartoon is for children um these things some things are not well, let's focus on this other thing let's focus on this other thing and they don't know that the comic book community or the movie is just as important it's just as important as any other sector if you take it because we are letting western cartoons and everything we are letting them raise our african kids because we didn't focus on you know building our own sector building our own industry as good if we did that yeah many children might be watching coco melon today we'll have our own you understand we'll have our own and we'll be able to raise them with our culture and our distance but no children today are being raised by <laughs> by people outside the country, man. We are not raising our kids anymore. So take it as seriously as every other sector of the economy. And you find that, yeah, you are actually raising leaders of tomorrow. Because now what we are doing is raising leaders of other places outside, <laughs> outside everywhere. Because what they will do is they will grow up and they want to go to where the people that made the cocoa melon that they enjoyed so much. And that's basically, when I wanted to go into like full-time studying animation, I wasn't considering any school in Nigeria because they didn't pay attention to it. I was considering Vancouver, you know, and other places. If you want to study music now, people will mention places like Juilliard and other places because the government did not invest in the creative sector of this economy. They didn't invest in it at all, and it shows. Yeah, well said, well said. And to your point about people thinking cartoons are for children, like I tell, I'm as in cartoons, like even at my old age, <laughs> I'm not old, right. I still watch Mr. Bean, like they, you know, they don't have the animated yeah. versions, like I'm having dinner or lunch, I'm like, oh my gosh, I literally, you know. No matter where I am today, if Tom and Jerry comes up on the screen, oh my gosh. I'm invested, <laughs> I'm invested, really catch him this time, 
I'm invested. I, I've been watching it since I was a child, and I will still watch it today if it comes up. Me because, too. Yeah, that escape is real. Everybody needs it. Just take it seriously. And I don't, I don't even think it's about even the escape all the time. Animation is what you can use to tell your story as a country, as a people. You know, and again, it kind of goes back to the people that we put in positions of power. Because a lot of times, I feel like the people that we say are leaders in Africa, <laughs> a lot of them really ain't. Because if you know what leadership means, there's a way you act as a leader that it shows. And a lot of times, people that we have in all these positions, they're not acting like leaders. Yeah. Them. So, like, one of the one of my problem with the campaigns I see today in um, in this coming elections is that. There's a lot of desperation on it, and another thing is, I always feel like if you really, want, <laughs> if you want our best interest at heart, it won't be, it won't, it won't be like this kind of do or die affair. And you can kind of sense the selfishness in the ambition. You can sense it, like when if you watch closely enough, you can sense how selfish the ambition is. And I wish it was different. I wish it was a lot different. I wish like I wish they were a lot more transparent because. It's like they go in there and then they just come out richer than they were before, and it's it's really disconcerting as a citizen of the of the country. Of yeah. the country, yeah, yeah. And everybody just looking. Mm, okay. Like, okay. <laughs> let's let's see how it goes. And yeah, like you said, leader. Many of them are, I don't know, bosses or what. Not. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Know, I, I don't think that people really understand what it means to be a leader. You can be in a position of power, and you may, you're not you're not a good leader. Yes. You know, people don't really understand what it takes to be. Like, a good are you leader. coming here to serve us? Like, are you really coming here to serve us? Is that what's happened? Because your track record does not show does not show any such thing. If they really wanted to help us, they'll be helping raise you know, like uh, younger people, people that they feel like oh, this is because some of these people they are multi millionaires, yeah, and they make all these promises that they will do this and this and this, and then they now hide the. If you elect me president, but if you are not president, you have the resources to do these things. Let's be honest, you can do these things for this country even if you are not the president. But why do we have to elect you president to actually make this contribution? You know, to make this change. Some people are rich and then they try to make, uh, try to be as impactful in their society as possible, even without being in positions of power. So I feel like if you are really sure about if these promises are really real, are true would have been seeing them within the time you were not president. Within the time maybe Barry was in election, many of these people would have seen your handwork and things that you have done and would know that, oh, maybe if this person came into power, they will be in a better place to strengthen this thing they have done. But they do nothing. Just stay down in the background and then once it's election time... I have a reason. <laughs> I love how we've gone from no, but it's one of the things that is actually connected. Because if you have people that are elected who understand the value and importance of the animation industry, who understand the value of Nollywood, of Gollywood, all the different African countries, who understand their creative sectors and the value that they bring to the to the economy, then you know Africa will not be where 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 it is. Look at the people. Look at the people we have today. Like you know, I said earlier that if these people really cared. They would have raised um they would have raised the the next generation of leaders and they'll be the ones they'll be the ones there today if not for the selfish needs to be empower themselves they won't be the ones here today because these people are part of the generation that gave us the idea that animation is for children imagine two of the candidates we have now i've known them since i was a child 
Yeah. So Me too. We keep recycling leaders. And if it wasn't, if we keep doing that, nothing is going to change, to be honest. So if we had this, um, if these people, if these younger leaders were raised properly, put in the right place, yeah, these people will be able to see these things I'm talking about because we can relate, we can talk. But if I go to somebody who's the same age, the same age as my grandfather, and I'm telling him cartoon sector, metaverse, <laughs> they'll say I should throw two billion in the cartoon sector. For what? For what? Yeah. Jay get. Yeah. But let's not end this. Let's let's not end this interview on a terrible note. So let's yeah. go on to the fun random questions. Okay. You ready? Fun random questions. Yeah, fun random No, no, no. See, I would tell people the operative word is what? Fun, fun. random questions. Exactly. Okay. I'll try to make my answer. Yeah. Fun Thank you. Thank you. All right. So the first question is you have to pick one of the following Lion King, Inside Out, Finding Nemo, or Ratatouille? Lion King. Like, that was so obvious. Like, I knew my answer from the very beginning. I remember watching Lion King for the first time in primary school. We were supposed to be having a class, but I think the teacher was, teacher was having a lazy day that day, and she just played Lion King. And uh, the period ended after Mufasa died. I was heartbroken. <laughs> Every child has to be, like, that it touches trauma. your soul. Like, that was our first traumatic experience. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Because I felt I kept thinking the whole time that it was not dead, like it was going to come back or something. And I think I, I came to grips with death. You know, that wow, this nigga is gone. Lion King, definitely. It was too much it made too much of an impact for it to be anything else. Yeah. Dad, wake up. Wake <laughs> up. <laughs> okay. I know, I know. All right, okay. Second question is which of the following bro code rules? Yeah. Are you ignoring? Because okay. I saw one of the videos talking about bro code, right? right. So you have right. to ignore one of the following. Okay. The first one is bros before girls. Okay. Second is if you catch your bro's wife or girlfriend cheating, you must always let your friend know okay. or your bro know. Yeah. And the third one is bros must always leave at least one empty urinal in between each other. I'm never ignoring that last one. I have an entire, <laughs> my most viral video. I saw that. That's what, yeah. yeah. It's based on that bro code. So never, ever, ever. Now, the rules have changed a little bit because some girls are now honorary bros. So that bros over girls, it's, 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 it's their lines. We play jump ropes with that line now. Some girls are so, they are so, they are such great bros that, you know, you just, you just can't. And then I feel like there's an exception to that too. So bros over girls, except your wife. So <laughs> when it's your wife, it's your wife over everybody else. So, um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to break that one. What was the middle one? If you catch your bro's wife or girlfriend cheating, you must always let him know. Hmm, that one I might break. Why? <laughs> because... <laughs> you know what, Wala? <laughs> one, and also, the guy is doing his own that you're not talking about. So I feel like I've, I've, I've done enough. Ojero cancel Ojero. Yeah, I've done enough. Okay, then. Cool. Third question is, what is your favorite comic book? My favorite comic book would be Doomsday Clock. Doomsday Clock is a 12-issue uh, comic book series uh, based on the DC Universe and the Watchmen Universe, the Justice League Universe and the Watchmen Universe. It was so brilliantly written. It's everything. 12 issues. I remember following it. It came out every month for like a year. And it was just everything. So. Let me just give you my top three. That would be for, for anybody that wants to go read comics, read Doomsday Clock, 
read man without fear that's daredevil and read um return of the dark knight thank you for those recommendations <laughs> fourth question is which of the following international animation studios would you love to work at the options are image engine pixar disney animation or lucasfilm animation lucasfilm animation you know i'm a star wars <laughs> I, saw I feel like too. that question was a setup. It kind of, kind of, you know, like the, the bro code, and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, that was a setup. Okay. Definitely, if Lucasfilm came to me, I'll work for them for free. <laughs> for free. Like, like, I have an entire series, Breakfast Wars, that is like based on you know Star Wars references and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, no. yeah. I would give anything to say I work with the Star Wars crew. <laughs> That's awesome, and you know, from your lips to God's ears. Amen. Final question is: Can you list? three of your favorite songs for this year at least thus far three of my favorite songs for this year um okay i think one right now and ah it's just it's it's nice that it's like this question is coming now because right now i'm addicted to machala by kata Efe. <laughs> like how did that song I just know, take over is, i know the guy as a content creator on twitter and then when he said he was going into music I, i'm sorry kata but i didn't expect much I was like, uh, just another content creator that wants to go into music. And then it dropped. And I dropped with it. <laughs> it's a catchy like, song. Yeah, it's a very catchy song. So there's that. There's um, Common Person by Bonaboy. That song is so deep. Like, there's just this particular line that I feel like I'm going to live by now. It just, everybody has his own role. And just because, you know, your role is different from my own, doesn't mean you are bigger than I am like everybody has their own role to play and I was like Ugh, man man that song is deep so yeah there's um Kataife Machala Burner Boy and uh Bandana Fireboy those are my three favorite songs right now okay those are good thank you for sharing <laughs> now as we wrap it up Israel for a lot of young people that want to get into animation what advice do you have for them start like immediately after you listen to this like if you have not started already start immediately after you listen to this um don't ever feel like something you've done is not good enough no matter how you think it is put it out i've seen um i've seen a couple of people tag me you know people make animations and they tag me and i see it and i'm like yeah this is highway to growth yeah so do your work Put it out there. Don't keep it in your wardrobe. I kept my work in my wardrobe for a very long time. And I feel like if I had started earlier, I would have done a lot more. So what you've done, showcase it to the world. Create it, showcase it to the world. Show everybody what you can do. Let people know this is what you do. Talk about yourself every chance you get. Talk about your craft every chance you get. And keep trying to get better. That's basically it. That's great advice, Israel. Thank you so much. And for people who are looking to know more about your work and follow you, can you provide your social media handles? Yes. Israel, the creator on YouTube. Um, Israel Abashola on Instagram, Twitter, and um, TikTok. So yeah, you can find me anywhere there. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Israel Obashola for his time and thanks so much to everyone who listened. I hope people looking to get into animation found the conversation useful. If you know anyone who is about that animation life, you should definitely share this episode with them. Again, to keep up with Israel and his work, follow his TikTok and Instagram handles at Israel Obashola. That's I-S-R-A-E. 
I-S-R-A-E-L-O-B-A-S-O-L-A. His Twitter handle is at Israel underscore Obashola. Also, do check out Israel's animated series Orisha on his YouTube channel, which is Israel the Creator. It's a really, really good series and we need to support him. Also, please, please, please don't forget to take a few minutes to rate us on your favorite podcast platform. It makes a huge, huge difference in allowing the show to get discovered by more people. And it would also mean so much to me. Thanks so much in advance. This episode is produced, edited, and mixed by Fola Shade Anosier. The show is powered by Nonconform Productions. Theme song for the show is by John Akinola. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the SNC Podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>